Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally, with a global perspective, and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, simple living, adventures, and life hacks. And today... The Steens Mazama 1000. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Craig Polly in the studio with us here again. Thank you for coming down tonight. Well, thanks for having me. And we'll get into the Steens Mazama in a few. Yes. Um, But first, let's catch up on the week. (laughs) Yeah. How was your week? My week was excellent. Yeah, I had a good week. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like i did too much but it was satisfying <laughs> nonetheless it's kind of that season where you just sort of hunker down yeah, yeah i've i've been um some of that is like that sensation right like we all get into this holiday mode um and it's kind of like an interesting contrast because this time of year uh, i'm doing a lot of work with film by bike just reaching out to filmmakers and getting in touch with folks and so i always feel like there's this invisible line somewhere like maybe 10ish days before christmas where uh-huh. it's like I could reach out to somebody, but it's like, nah, I'm going to save that till, like <laughs> a little bit later there. Like some things in life still are, are respectful like, or not even respectful. That's not even the word that I'm looking to use. But, you know, you just feel bad about bugging people so close to some of these large family oriented holidays. So I see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been been nice. Been um, Jane and I went and got a little mini Christmas tree uh, to, to fit into our apartment and um it is still sitting in a used yogurt container, uh, but we promised ourselves that tonight. Wait, we we, uh, we how didn't many wanna... is this tree? It's it's uh it's about three feet tall, and okay. we, we kind of debated between getting a large tree and a small tree, and it didn't seem as though the roommates were psyched um, either way. So it's I like, see. well, I guess we'll get the small tree and <laughs> we'll just like stick it in the room for Nicholas, the cat, to enjoy. Um, <laughs> and then it 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 got um, busy enough, I guess, that we kind of brought it home and put it in a yogurt container of the base. So it's been kind of like shoved in a corner for about seven days now. Uh-huh. And I think tonight is the night that I like make a makeshift stand and make a real uh, tree effort of it. Right on. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun uh, going around Portland looking for a Christmas tree. Uh, I didn't know. So like growing up and, and, and getting trees in eastern Oregon, I guess I hadn't ever looked into it enough to figure out that the closest you can go to do like a true U-cut sort of Christmas tree experience, like getting a permit, going out into the woods, um, is quite a bit more towards central Oregon because uh, we had we had originally looked to do it um on sort of a day trip and it turned out that i mean there's a lot of you cut like orchards around that you can sort of go out to a to an established field um but that that experience of like walking through the snow through the dug fir the quiet finding of the perfect tree um apparently you have to either drive or bike quite a bit further from portland <laughs> in order to attain that this was a tradition that was completely foreign to me yeah. like it was something that i've only ever seen in movies or television okay I've never actually like the Charlie Brown Christmas yeah. experience. Yeah. I, I I actually haven't um I haven't had that experience since I was about ten. But some some part of me this year was just like, well, if we're getting a tree, wouldn't it be fun to like get a tree? Yeah. Um, however, it, I, I think most of it is inspired by one of Jane's coworkers who took like 
five days off this week in order to get his holiday house in order. Um, so he's like literally taking paid time off of work to like put up Christmas lights oh my God, and really? make sure that like stocking stuffers get set for everybody. And I, I'm, That's I'm nowhere, there. I'm nowhere near that level of dedication, but yeah. like some part of it just caught and it, it felt like it might be a good idea to, to make another go of this year. There's something about that. If like other people are really enthused, mm-hmm. that enthusiasm yeah. built, like, I'm, I'm bleeds much, over. Yeah. I, I, I find I'm, it's really easy to hop onto others' enthusiasm. So maybe I was, I was pigging, piggybacking a little bit off um craig have you had any sort of christmas experiences in in that like charlie brown christmas sense growing up in portland you know i did i was raised out on parrot mountain and we were on an 82 acre uh, ranch out there and we had some woods and i think i was about four or five years old and i remember going down in the woods with my dad and my brother and the tractor and finding a tree nice <laughs> cutting it down and throwing it on the trailer was it, a, was it like a huge tree or the tractor was just part of the part of the fun part of the experience it was just part of the fun you okay know? but uh no it wasn't a huge tree it gotcha. was four or five feet you know but i think it's hilarious the concept of going to get a tree was like going into your backyard essentially yeah yeah that's kind of the best of both worlds yeah yeah it was pretty cool i um that reminds me of uh somebody i know up in alaska who it seems like every year he gets a moose tag um he basically walks out to his front porch and a moose just happens to stroll by so he's like gone hunting for moose uh like three seasons or so and and two of those three i don't i don't think he was more than about 200 yards from his house when he actually got his tag (laughs) just step right out your front door exactly (laughs) let let the food come to you that's good let the tree come to you or or get a tractor and have a go of it yeah (laughs) we always had a fake tree growing up fake trees yeah i we were we were very much like low maintenance yeah well let me let me back that up a little bit we were high maintenance children (laughs) <laughs> which i think I, I think by default we had to be like sort of a low maintenance household <laughs> mm. got to keep the keep the grease on the cogs keep yeah. everything running yeah yeah and you know going out getting four boys of various ages you know uh out into the woods mm-hmm. maybe not all of us would come back and so I think the parents made a decision early on to just get a fake tree. Mm-hmm. That way you just go to the attic. And if not all of us came back from the attic, at least we know yeah, you're you in know, that what, general where the region. other one is. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but did you get all the branches on in the right order? <laughs> that was the worst. Because <laughs> this was like the old, old fake trees where it was just like this this wooden pole mm-hmm. that was in two pieces. You screw it together so it's you know a taller tree. And then... Each of the branches were color coded, but then after a while it gets so old that like the color paint on the ends is all worn off. And so Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like measuring the branches, like looking at them, comparing side side Mm. by side. And like half of the household is the left side leaning, half the household's (laughs) like, no, put it on the right. (laughs) Right, right, right. No, these are the lower ones. No, (laughs) this one's longer than this one. And so you have some, like you have this this tree where it's like kind of wide and then narrows and then widens up again and then narrows. The Salvador Dali tree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that reusable Christmas trees make a good deal of sense. It's true. But also, like, Christmas tree farms is its own industry. Yeah. And I used to work for a, a uh, nonprofit whose main fundraiser was selling Christmas trees nice. here in town. So, what, uh, where was that? Where did they source their trees from? Sort of um, Willamette Valley was, around here? I don't know where exactly. It was a family farm 
um and the family was big supporters of this organization mm-hmm. and and uh in in many ways in one way was they uh gave us these trees at a very low cost nice. to us yeah yeah selling christmas trees is actually like it there's definite bits of boredom but like it's it's that character building um i i too had the experience of working at, on a christmas tree farm back in high school and through the periods of sheer boredom there were little spurts of like joy and activity um i i think it's actually kind of fun just like heading out and being like sweet i'm gonna hang around a very cold campfire and hope that people show up here (laughs) uh and oh look there's some people right there um you know getting getting twine and and things back on vehicles for getting trees in it's a it's a good experience I, i don't know if i would like go back into like seriously pursuing that right but i can say it was an enjoyable use of time the few times i i volunteered for the the tree lot here in town that that uh the aforementioned uh company i used to work for uh was running um it was it was pretty fun what i liked best was the variety of people and the variety of ways they either mounted Mm -hmm. the tree on Mm -hmm. top or 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 in a trailer or inside their vehicle. Yeah. And then the few times where like someone came with their bike trailer yep. and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll just, Portland, we'll just for take sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a microcosm of like society or, or like just seeing, I always, it's, it's kind of like you get to interact with people, but also like see so many different experiences. And so like, the families with kids and like you've got the happy group of kids and then you've got the kids who just totally aren't digging <laughs> who it. Are not well, and, it and they're not yet. afraid to say this either in <laughs> fact you'll hear it quite loudly um i've just always enjoyed like how many like facets of life you get to interact with uh-huh. and how many how many like different people you get to um meet through that experience because i mean especially i guess like christmas overall in terms of u.s holidays um is probably one of the more like recognized i guess or or i feel like at the participation level in christmas even if you're not necessarily affiliated with the religious component of it it's still like part of that oh very much yeah yeah i mean i think even on a on a very secular like economic level mm-hmm. um you know christmas is it's christmas and the, and the christmas season or the holidays um uh are all just sort of i don't know part of the fabric of america indeed and unfurls the u.s flag behind me and a little bald eagle flying by and tim mooney (laughs) reciting the pledge of allegiance (laughs) which he'll send to us next week yeah i I would love a recording of tim mooney reciting the pledge of allegiance (laughs) do you uh do anything exciting this week aaron uh actually ej finnerin uh Mm -hmm. whose name we read uh every week a ardent supporter. Yes, he had a uh, sort of a holiday open house. Okay, and um, we made it out there. Uh, we have a thing of going to parties and not wanting to show up empty-handed. Hmm. Um, but also, I don't know anything about wine, and I know that's like the traditional thing that you show up with, right? Oh, it is. You know, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Anyone? See, you learn something new every day. On this. <laughs> Or at least I do. <laughs> I don't know. What do adults do I thought anymore? Fruitcake was the. Uh, isn't well, that I like guess the classic, like for, hey. for Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking just general dinner parties. You uh, show up gotcha. with wine. Yeah. No wine. I safe um, bet. Yeah, but of course I don't know. Feel free anything to weigh in too. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so we showed up with cookies actually, which you nice. know is also kind of in the season yeah. as well. Uh, I would I would say um, next time you come to one of our house parties, you are certainly welcome to bring cookies okay i won't i won't say you have to bring cookies <laughs> but I, I will say cookies will not be unappreciated all right <laughs> i might strike I, I might strike this recording or this part out oh, just in okay. case because i don't want to also be committed to bringing cookies Ooh, yeah it's dangerous yes well but it's, no, it, that... you you can bring nothing the joy of your presence at a party <laughs> is good enough well i'm pathologically unable to do that mm. i have to bring something um and i'm also i'm also enabled by my partner mm-hmm. who also pathologically cannot just show up to a party anyways so we showed up with cookies and um they were like originally the recipe called for and i shit you not 4 tablespoons of of ginger powder wow which a tablespoon of ginger powder is a lot mm-hmm. you know um, that's a lot were they ginger <laughs> they were ginger cookies though but oh yeah these okay. were like ginger snaps that gotcha. we were making and um Anna, being the smart lady that she is, uh, automatically cut it in half. Mm-hmm. But still, two tablespoons <laughs> table, table <laughs> is, is a lot. And uh, yeah, um, we tasted the batter, and it was so spicy. Mm-hmm. They, it was like, like the, they were good, but it was it was to this point where like, if we were to bake them, you probably couldn't have more than one or two. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's it. Have you ever had the Midel, uh ginger snaps? Like you can get them at most grocery stores. Uh-uh. They come in sort of like an orangish, I guess, ginger snappy colored bag. I'd be curious if, if you come across those, what the comparison, because that's right. like my baseline for a very pleasant ginger snap is um, like the Meadels. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. We decided we would add some cardamom in there and maybe nice. that would balance it out. Yeah. Can't and go wrong with cardamom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's my favorite spice too. And, uh, Anna just essentially invented a chai flavored cookie. Mm. Yum. It was, it was amazing. Sounds pretty good. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And so, so, uh, rather than apologizing for these, uh, bad ginger snaps, I'm like, it's all about marketing and so mm-hmm. pres- presenting these cookies as like, these are chai cookies. Check mm-hmm. them out. Nice. Yeah. It, it went nice really recovery. Well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like a what, like a happy accident yeah. or, or a happy intentional unaccident. It was uh, recovery, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking um, of uh, recovery, if you need a place to go recover, I know of a spot down in Southeast Portland. Perhaps after a long ride, or even just to get out of the cold. Or to share your ginger chai cookies with. <laughs> you can always find a spot at the Beer Mongers in Southeast. Southeast Division in 12th. That's where it's at. <laughs> yes. And they happen to be providing some wonderful beverages for this evening. Um, what have we around the table here? Yeah, speaking of ginger, I went with the Ginger Root Happy Mountain Kombucha, now which I just noticed on the cap. Tools are required. Open. <laughs> I've got the Dr. Brew, and this is a vanilla oak kombucha, and it's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. It's a it's an interesting flavor for a kombucha, right? Yeah, you know, it's pretty vanilla. Yeah, if that's a word, <laughs> it is now. Absolutely. What uh, you got? I am enjoying the Agrarian Hop Farm Ales Blazing Wildfire Smoke Chipotle Porter Aged in Bourbon Barrels. 
Um, that is a long title for a beer. <laughs> it's a long title for a tasty beer. Wait, did I beer. hear Chipotle? In yes. This? Okay. I was actually very excited because I'm I'm a big fan of spice in all avenues of life, and um, any time that like beer can be combined with spice, uh, I show up. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's pretty tasty there. Uh, this is oh crap! It's another nine percent. Uh, I, I just like, <laughs> oh, I'm such darn, a label right? shopper. No, no, like <laughs> I like this is me at the beer mongers. That's a cool label. That's a cool label. That's a decent label. Yep, that's a cool one. Let's grab that one. Well, we'll get it right one of these weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's a correlation between you know what you view as a as a uh, aesthetically pleasing label mm. and high gravity beers. Yeah, it's very possible i wonder so for our data-driven listeners i you could probably get a correlation or a coefficient of like that trend over episodes i wonder if there's a if there's a statistically <laughs> significant trend towards uh label correlation there's got to be a ratio in there somewhere, there has right? to be right there's you can you can correlate anything <laughs> with enough data points um well I'll, I'll keep tabs on that or or perhaps lillian is is uh listening and, and will write in with oh a she's probably already got that data compiled oh, somewhere yeah. <laughs> or or she's probably working fastidiously on her kickstarter which uh successfully oh, funded yeah. by the way um funded and then she went with uh what was it not extended fundraising what uh, was stretch that goals stretch goals yep. thank you and and both her stretch goals were met yeah it was yeah. great so awesome congratulations lillian mm-hmm um also in terms of i so like correlation in labels i feel like and and maybe you feel differently on this but for wine i feel like it's much more of a thing like you can have a crappy wine but if it has a cool label it's passable and um like i do the same thing where it's just like if you have a cork instead of like a screw top like that's that's probably fancy enough yeah. right <laughs> you're talking to like the the beer drinking like long distance bike tour sure Sure. Well, so my little brother, who is on uh, a few episodes back, who mm. actually sort of makes a career out of tasting things, mm. will also admit on some level that whole like wine tasting as it correlates with price really doesn't follow. Mm -hmm. You know, that like a good tasting wine can sometimes be your $3 wine, sure. you know, um, and that, yeah, that price price does alter perception. Though. Sure. And yeah i mean that's that goes even with art that's you know? yeah oh, a yeah. lot of things in life yeah it's <laughs> true i it's like if you're happy with it don't let anybody like try to convince <laughs> you otherwise um you're probably going to end up better being true to yourself on that kind of decision than than any outside input yeah that's right so uh anything else happened this week any other excellent christmas parties or or, or just general parties uh not yet it's just it's that time of year where um, there's this big part of me that just wants to stay inside and not leave the house. Mm. And then there's this other part of me that's in conflict with that of like, well, if you stay inside the house, then you're going to feel like you haven't done anything. And this then you're going to like kind of kick yourself. Um, yeah. That's like the dark winter conundrum. Isn't it though? Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's do, been, it's do been you, that, that east wind makes it pretty easy to stay inside right now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's true. We've been getting some pretty pretty uh, high winds these days. Pretty darn cold out there. Yeah. 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 We're hitting, uh, what, 28, 29 tonight? It well, sounds for like. around here, right? Yeah. 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 yeah that's cold <laughs> really, really cold, folks. <laughs> well, well, you'll see the photo. Next, next, the week, <laughs> next week, we're going to get a letter from Phil in Alaska. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know what cold is, right? <laughs> right. I can appreciate Phil's uh, perspective on, on the theory of coldness. <laughs> right. I mean, oh, I hey, mean, they it's... both meet at negative 40 cents, or Celsius and Fahrenheit, so. Oh, you're, yeah. You're, uh, <laughs> I did any, not know anything that. above that you're you're winning. Okay. But it's a dry cold, right? Yeah. yeah. I I would hope. <laughs> Actually, let's that's really interesting. It hasn't been as rainy as no. or even yeah, there hasn't been much precipitation yeah. whatsoever. I've uh, I've actually found myself outside more this week because of that. I think for me the rain is much more like I I do quite like rain. I like dry cold or like even just cold windy. Like I'll take that over rain. And so this week's been very pleasant because it's sunny outside. Like, even if you're inside, you get that light factor. And I feel like that light yes. really makes a big difference. Yes. The light Sunlight. is nice. That's yeah. for sure. I and, I even, even though uh, our windows are not very well insulated, mm-hmm. I had our window shades open to let the sun in as much as possible. It's good. Weekend. It feels kind of weird to open the blinds circa December 8th and, <laughs> yeah. and like, actually have profusion. Yes. Kind of weird. <laughs> Well, the shortest day is coming up. I'll be glad to be by that. Yeah. Um, when is that, it again? Twenty uh, first. Yeah, yeah, December. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like just yesterday. I think maybe because we had the eclipse this year, and my brain is somehow linking it to solstice. It just feels like we had a very like cosmic year. Yeah. In review. Yeah. That that solstice. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Or I mean the eclipse. Excuse me. <laughs> See. Yeah. No, you're good. I I do the same thing often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get a chance to make it out to Eastern Oregon? Uh, actually, just down by Silverton. Okay. And it was funny. I took, I rode my bike down and I rode it back and I beat my wife and my family home. The oh, traffic was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I had the day off. Um, oh, yeah. I, of course, I had the day off. I, there was no school. Um, <laughs> but it was all out for the eclipse. Was, yeah. But I had, so, yeah, I, I was off that day. And at one point, because when you drive, you become obsessed with traffic patterns and, and traffic yes. maps, mm. um, I decided shortly after the eclipse to, you know, get on the Google Maps and, and watch the traffic, mm. um, you know, like green means like this is passable, traffic is moving freely, and and Did- like it goes from like green to yellow to orange to red to purple. Oh, purple? Did Have it go I all seen purple? purple? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and I-5, it starts, like, just creeping like... Um, from Salem. It starts creeping south, like, red, 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 purple. Mm-hmm. And then creeping north, red, up into Portland, red, mm-hmm. red, 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 purple, red, red, red. And oh, it, it felt like so, it out there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was just so interesting to, like, sit there and just watch it sort of, like, evolve Mm -hmm. yeah it was interesting uh so like i had kept a good eye on it until maybe like an hour hour and a half after the eclipse and i just remember the change was so quick as well and so like you could you could if you look at historical data like i'm sure you could pull this up in google but right up until the eclipse nothing nobody was driving nobody was doing 
anything. Yeah. And then like, oh yeah, it felt even like six in, even minutes. in Portland, yeah. the roads were empty. Yeah, it was it was like a ghost I town. Stood, I stood at the overpass of uh, I eighty four, and there was nothing like a couple of delivery trucks here and there, but yeah. that was it. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really cool. Everybody started cheering during mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so that, that was yeah. A, a really interesting event to have everybody connected that way, where everybody's yeah. out there watching this thing happen. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I will and continue to look fondly on that moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you ever think of of like eclipse chasing? Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could see how you get hooked on that. Yeah, <laughs> that yep. was a cool experience. For sure. We've got uh, Chile in 2018, and then I think 2021, 2022, I'd need to look that one up again, is uh, Northeastern U.S. So if you want to go freeze in Vermont in the winter a few years from now, <laughs> you can go see an eclipse. A little bit easier than Chile, probably. Yes. To, yeah. Um, or I, I guess depending on your transit situation, but yeah, I would imagine, <laughs> I would imagine well, so. Yes. <laughs> for, um, for us, I guess a little bit easier. Yeah, but, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. So speaking of the eclipse and of places that one can go and witness it, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Steens Mazama. Let's do that. <laughs> so, and I'll let Aaron lead us in cause I, I don't sure. think I've heard the episode that you were on last. And so I don't want to, don't want to like jump in and cover something we've already done. I mean, we could always be redundant. That's totally fine. Excellent. But, <laughs> yeah. But, um, actually I don't think we talked about no, the Swift scenes. Summit. Yeah. We talked about the Swift Summit okay. mostly. I think we just, we just sort of mentioned it in passing that yeah. you participated. Um, yeah. And, what was interesting to me was you said you had never raced before. I'd never raced um, my bicycle before. That's right, right. right. Uh, but you were you were into biking. Yes. Yeah. From, so, yeah. So, how long were you biking before you decided to race? Well, I'd been well, like most people. I started riding when I was pretty young, but uh, I got back into cycling about six years ago, and I always liked distance, <laughs> so I started riding just locally by myself out on the roads, no clubs or anything. And, uh, I started doing some, well, let's see, I did a ride out to Detroit and back a couple of times. Mm -hmm. That was a real nice ride. That's about a hundred miles out. Yeah. Right. Uh, 92, I think. So I ended up with about 186 for the day. Nice. uh, Wow. That's more than I've ever ridden in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, started riding out there and then I did, a. Let's see, up to uh, Johnson Ridge Observatory. From mm. my, I, when I first looked at that, I lived in Oregon City at the time. I thought there's no way I could ever ride that. So I did something a little less ambitious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I saw this, I got in uh, Randonneuring and uh, I saw this uh, ad for the Steens Mazama on that, on their uh, Facebook page. And I thought, well, I might as well try it. I've always wanted to do an endurance race. And I'm not getting any younger, so <laughs> <laughs> never a bad time to start. That's yeah. right. And what's the what do you think the main difference between something like an endurance race like uh the Steens Mazama versus just randonneuring? And maybe for our listeners, let's get a working definition of what randonneuring is. It's, it's essentially like road biking for ultra long distances, right? Yeah, they have a series of uh brevets that they do throughout the season and they get gradually longer. And uh, they start out at 200 kilometers, which is 125 miles, 
and then they'll do a 300 and a 400 and a 600 and then the season peak is a 1200 which is 750 miles wow Whoa. and uh i didn't i did up to the 600 with the Oregon randonneurs mm-hmm. and this is like all in one shot or over a day or so or well um the hardest one that they say is the 400k cuz the 400k takes you know that's uh, 250 miles mm-hmm. so it takes a considerable chunk of time and, you know, it's hard to stay on the bike that long. Yeah. And you've got, you know, you've got time controls in randonneuring. You've got cutoff points. You've got to check in at towns and usually services and get a receipt or see a sign and say what's on the sign on your control card. Oh, so just to check and do that. Yeah. Just to make sure you did it. You got Well, you got to be there between a certain time okay. or you miss the cutoff time. And if you miss the cutoff, does that mean you're just, you're done? You're, or or you can still ride, but you're no longer competing? You can still ride. Okay. It, well, and, and technically, randonneuring is not a race, so. Right. Gotcha. You're mostly just competing with yourself, That's right. right. Yeah. Just to do longer distances. Nice. For uh, the randonneuring at the Steens-Bazama, do you know how many people participated this last year? Well, the Steens-Bazama was um, not a randonneuring race. That's a race put on by Nathan Jones. Yes, and, and that's an endurance race, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there was, we had 10 total in it this last year. So, um, One of which was our good friend Aaron Delaney. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah, he ended up... Um, just through prior injuries, uh, he had to call it quits. Oh but, no! Yeah, he's he's going to be doing this next year too. Nice. So, uh, what do you think was the major? Uh, well, maybe not the major. But what was one of the big sort of uh, unexpected things that that had happened on the on the Steens Mazama that was like really different from general randonneuring? Uh, well, uh, this. I guess maybe we should start off with what's the difference between an endurance race and, and yeah, well, the the endurance race. You know, it's just all out. You're uh, you're self supported. It's not like race across America, which you know that's a supported type of racing. Or mm-hmm. um, it, uh, you're self supported, so that's it's very similar to randonneering in that sense that you've got to be able to have all your equipment with you that you need for your sleep gear and everything else, or you can use hotels, any services along the way okay. that you want, um, are available. And it, uh, it's a pretty fun thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of prep did you have to do prior to this? Or, or did you prep differently for the Steens as you would for a more classic randonneuring event? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this is a thousand mile race and I, I watched a lot of the Trans Am cause you know, oh, yeah. so you've got trackleaders.com where you can watch these endurance races on the internet, which is really cool. So you sit there, you get addicted to watching these races. Mm. And I thought, you know, the Steensman Zama is going to be a thousand mile race. So there's going to be similarities between the types of riders that are in that and then what's in the Trans Am endurance race, okay. which is the 4,200-mile race across the United States. Right. So these guys come out of the gate, and they're 
they're riding, you know, they cover 350 miles in the first day. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these yeah. guys are serious. And it's, this is it's this, not their first rodeo. That's right. Well, the Steens is only a thousand miles, so that's considerably shorter. Okay. So I'm thinking, you know, what do these guys do in the first thousand miles of the Trans Am? So I look at it and it's like, that's crazy. How, mm. are, how are they going to do that? So I, I prep by getting in the mindset of, there's going to be somebody that's going to do this without sleeping. If right. I want to be competitive, mm-hmm. I've got to be like some, you know, Navy SEAL guy oh that's oh, yeah. not going <laughs> to sleep and, right. and do something crazy like you got this. Your, your pee bottle already attached to the yeah. frame of the. <laughs> just kidding. It was a test. They don't use pee bottles. You just go. That's right. <laughs> no, it was, it was funny because I get in this mindset like this and then I start to hear some chatter on Facebook, you know, oh, yeah, I've to do it in 72 hours says ben caldwell and i'm like that's crazy he's gonna stay up well if he can do it i can do it (laughs) so i start getting myself in this mindset and i do a random urine event that's a 600k uh event so i'm like okay that's you know 380 miles let's see if i can do it that's one day yeah (laughs) that's what what i said so i'm like i get on my bike with that mindset i'm able to successfully complete that in 27 hours without sleeping so i'm like hey okay i can do this so (laughs) did you feel like when you got out that did the terrain uh, play like a big factor in that, or were you able to keep that pace sort of as expected? Well, you know what was cool is uh, the the race starts at the Telecom Crossing, and it goes on a lot of the roads that I ride all the time. Mm-hmm. So it starts out and it goes out to Ripple Brook from Estacada, and then out to uh, Detroit, and yep. it's like. All right, cool. I know this section. I've ridden it many a times. and uh, You've got the home field advantage. I felt like it. You know, once I got out past Bend, I didn't know much of it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was pretty cool. It was I was able to keep a good pace mm-hmm. and uh you know, the there I got passed by four or five people early on on the climb up to Ripplebrook and I'm like I don't want to kill myself. These mm. guys are really going. If they're that fast, oh, well, I guess I'm racing for fifth. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. And but it's, it's long enough that, like, I guess things can happen, or did you find yourself catching up with any of these riders? Well, what happened was, is you know, a few of them stopped. It was a warm day. We had some really hot weather because it took place in July, July yeah, 7th yes. is when it started. Which was back in the hundreds yeah, around that time. Yeah, and uh, Speaking well, of 28 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cool because we got out of, we got out of um, the end of the first evening. It starts at 8 a.m. So by the time it's getting dusk, I'm getting close to bend. And, uh, you know, that first day climbing up out of the valley, it was kind of overcast. So it didn't get much over 90. And then by the time I got over to the desert, it was, you know, already the sun was setting and it wasn't so bad. Nice. Then I rode the entire night. (laughs) And uh, that was nice because it was cool. And it was a beautiful starlit night. Mm -hmm. Moon came up and uh, sagebrush, you know, it was it was wonderful. And that was a yeah. That was a nice section, and that got me over to Burns. And uh, when the sun came up, and uh, it was so, I was through all that section without getting a lot of heat, which was nice. Nice. But Did, it was funny. One of the one of the riders I passed. I was going to say this when I was climbing up out of uh, up towards Detroit. He's like, "So you staying in Bend tonight?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I think to myself, what do you mean staying in Bend? Because I was the man without a plan. Okay. I, I went down there. It was funny. When I was at Telecom Crossing, um, uh, Maria Schur. 
Right. Yeah. She's down there passing. She's got like all of her gear strapped to her back, uh, bike and everything. Well, right? no, she this she raced the year before. Right. She's down there this year as cheering everybody on. Oh, she's that's passing, right. yeah. She's passing out some muffins. So I have never met her before. She comes up. She goes. So what's your plan? And I realized at that point I really didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> get there. Get back. Well, I, I, I I'm gonna ride till I can't ride anymore. Right. And yeah. How <laughs> so, far? How far did you make it before you before you took your first break? or your first, uh, I guess, overnight as... Well, I rode overnight, and then I rode into the next day, and as soon as the sun came back up, I started feeling really good again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because about, oh about 4 o'clock in the morning, it, I really start getting drowsy right, okay. on these yeah. overnight things. But, uh, you know, you fight that off as soon as it's daylight, you know, and it's summertime, so the sun's coming up pretty darn early. Oh, so yeah. It changes. Sometimes 4.30, yeah. 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 So as soon as that light starts to change, you know, it's like... Cool, I'm awake again. So mm-hmm. I, I get outside of Burns. I think at 24 hours, I was 359 miles into it. Wow. Oh my gosh. I got to uh, French Glen at 11.15. And uh, if you're not familiar with the race, it's uh, 10% gravel. Well, there's 52 miles um, round trip because you go out and back from French Glen. Mm. You climb up to the top or uh, to the summit of Steens, which is... 9,700 feet. So I think you got about 5,000 feet of climbing. Okay. And uh, it's it's loose gravel. And it's like the best kind of gravel. Oh, it it was awesome. (laughs) I was on 25. So, you know, it would sink into that stuff. And (laughs) what do you you think the average size that people were were running at was? At least 28s. Okay. There was a few on 32s, I think. Gotcha. Okay. But I got crop dusted several times by the wind going, and people in, in oncoming cars wouldn't slow down. Oh. So it's 105 degrees. I'm dripping sweat. I get covered with dust several times. So, mm-hmm. And it just sort of cakes to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it took five and a half hours to go the 26 miles from wow. French Glen up to the summit. I went down twice. I had oncoming cars because, you know, you're on, I'm on 25s and I'm trying to get on the uh, most packed area I can find. And there's only a couple tire tracks that are, you know, if I get off of that, it's instantly loose. So I got some oncoming traffic. I go over to the side and I'm on a steep climb and my front wheel sinks and I couldn't get unclipped fast enough. And I just tucked and fell over. You just went down. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> how how did you land? How did it how did it turn I, out? I, I did I didn't break anything on my I'm very bike glad or to me. Hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, gravel's uh gravel's tricky. Like it's fun until it's not, and it becomes yeah. not fun very quickly. Well, you know, I get to the top and I think, okay, cool. It took me five and a half hours. I got visions at that point. I'm in the lead, so I've got visions of people catching me, and I'm like. Oh man, I, the whole time I'm like going so slow, three, four miles an hour climbing uh, this thing. And I just picture everybody catching up to me, right? It's so, those 25s. It's keeping you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I finally get to the top and I figure, well, unless they know something I don't know, it's going to be a hard climb for them as well. Mm. <laughs> right. So. So nobody caught you at that point? No, no. Uh, I was, I ended up, I I think I was 60 or 80 miles ahead at that time. Holy, wow. Because I ran, well, I rode all night, you know. Right, and, right, and right. A few of them stopped. Did and, uh did anybody else go overnight with you or did most folks sort of stop and bend and call it good there? Uh, you know, I, I didn't look at the tracker. I know that okay. uh, 
Ben Cowell, he's I from what I saw, I think he stopped in Brothers at the rest area there for a little bit, but then he okay. got back on and kept riding. But so on the way back, um, what what I guess we should ask is, did did you continue the lead? Yeah, yeah. I uh, what what happened was I got to French Glen at eleven fifteen, and I got to the summit at five thirty. And it's like, man, it you know, I got daylight till nine thirty or ten. Right. So I, I'm thinking, all right, cool, I finally get to descend. But the washboard was so bad. Oh right, yes, mm-hmm. I've heard about this. And I, I, my bike was shaking so hard, I lost a water bottle, and oh. I, I didn't even, I didn't even see it go. I never even went it, knew it went, because you know, as soon as I get to twenty miles an hour on that road bike, I'm riding a road bike. A, yeah. Yeah. Uh, specialized Roubaix. It's a 2011, you know, like I said, with the 25s. And that thing would just, it would shake so violently. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to break something. Right. So yeah. I slowed Most down. Most of your thoughts and energy are like, just don't wipe out. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. don't fall. Well, and I couldn't get on the hood. So I had to stay in the drops to hold the brakes. Oh, and right. it, it was hard on my forearms, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, man, that was a rough ride. <laughs> yeah. I, um, the, the speech or that, um, the founder of that ride gave at bike gallery uh, about a month ago, he uh, actually fractured a uh, part of his wrist in the same situation in Australia where it's just the washboards are so physically impacting that um, it just really takes it out of you. Well, I got a story about that too. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but you know, okay. So I'm going down there, I'm going down and I'm like, okay, I, I didn't realize I'd lost the water bottle and I start to feel water on my leg. I'm like, okay, I left the valve open on my water bottle. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I finally get down. I'm about a mile and a half out of French Glen where it finally flattens out again. I look down at my calf and it's green and I'm like, oh shit, that's the sealant from my tire. Oh. <laughs> So I had punctured my tire, and it's like I still. How ha- long did you ride on it like that? Well, I think I I, I messed up the rim. Ultimately, it was right. a really nice Rolf uh, oh, lightweight no. rim. Yeah. Am I right? So, no, oh, I can ride the. Just, it's just, only ten percent of the race, just, right? Just <laughs> file that carbon fiber down. It'll it'll go back on the beads, no problem. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, so I take my. Um, pump out and I pump it up and I get it up to probably maybe 60 pounds and it's holding finally because okay. you know I'd lost some sealant and it wasn't going to seal but then it sealed and I'm like I don't want it, it, the other racers to see me because it's kind of a psychological advantage to right. make that out and that out and back and back to French Glen and get out of there before gotcha. they could see me right mm-hmm. so I get on my bike and I get I it, you you finally finish the gravel you f- get back on the asphalt it's like ah you know, and, <laughs> but then there's a climb out of French Glen that's really, really yes. steep. Yes. <laughs> so I, I climb up to the top of that, and I finally I look at my bike, and it's like, man, I messed up that rear tire. I, yeah. I so re- you rode all the way up that climb with that bad rim too. Well, Just, yeah, I, yeah, and and it was a uh, you know low tire pressure, so it's a, lo- a lot more watts to push it. <laughs> oh yeah. So really, but, you're doing. Not only in in the lead, but you're doing more work for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's usually Darn a custom. <laughs> well, you know, you get done with it. You get done with it. Uh, Steen's part. You get about a twenty five mile respite on asphalt, and then mm-hmm. you get another forty five miles or fifty miles of washboard through the Heart uh, Antelope Refuge, and mm-hmm. that I rode at night on that washboard, and I was focused on with my headlights trying to avoid any major rocks because i'm thinking i'm going to just finish that tire off if i'm not careful Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely 
did most folks uh, that you saw riding it, did, did people choose generally to go with some sort of um, self-powered lighting like dynamos or, or was it like fast and light just with battery power and hope you get done by I think, the time your battery runs out? I think most were battery. Okay. You know, I, I, I didn't see a lot, you know, I, I wasn't really paying that much attention. Oh yeah, no worries. So. I was just like thinking if I had done this race, like how bad would I feel if I just couldn't see anymore? And you're like, well, I would have, I would have got there, but then like, I couldn't see. I'm training for the Trans Am. I'm going to race that in 2018. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I feel awesome to be able to do that, to have the opportunity to do it. But, um, I looked at dynamos and somebody, there's a webpage that somebody had done the analysis and Mm -hmm. they said over a hundred kilometers, it adds three to six minutes. Yep. Oh, so it's That's a considerable pretty significant amount. If you're mm-hmm. if you're like minding your time, like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like in, in my head, I'm like Dynamo, no problem. I, I was I, too. I'd be Dynamo <laughs> without yeah, without even thinking twice. But when you're when you're doing long distances, like you said, mm-hmm. especially like when it's an actual race, I guess that, that yeah. makes a big difference. Well, you know, the winner from 2017 for the Trans Am lives here in Portland, right? And. Uh, I saw him at Bike Gallery, or excuse me, Cycle Path, uh-huh. and uh, he gave a talk there, and it was cool to meet Evan and get, uh, talk to him for a few minutes and get a few tips from him. But he didn't run a Dynamo either, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But did you wait? Did you run a Dynamo for the Steens Museum? No, no I was battery. all battery. Yeah. Okay, nice. So battery, some battery caches on me and stuff like that, and I was pretty conservative with the battery well. too, you know. Mm-hmm. You Did you run at night without it a couple of times? Well, you know, when you're climbing, you can really dim your lights down because you're yeah. going so slow. It's okay. on the descents. You got to really turn them up so you can keep speed. Wow, that so. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What's the main gravel wipeout that you had? The only the only wipeout of the trip? I, had, I went down twice okay. when I was climbing. Yeah, because that's no. a lot of miles at a really yeah. fast pace. Yeah, well, it was it both was in the loose gravel climbing okay. up on those. Real, there's some really steep grades and just some real short sections on the climb up to the top of Steens. Mm-hmm. So that's up to 9,700 feet. And then um, I already said that earlier, didn't I? That's all right. <laughs> You're good. You're all good. Yeah. It must be this kombucha. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so traveling through and a, a lot of what we talk about is sort of like the experience as you move through communities or interact with communities. Did you find yourself at any points having like some interesting engagement with locals or were you just quite literally blowing through so fast that 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 was all that was possible at the time? Well, the few times I did stop because I was I was running with a camelback and I can go about six hours without being able or without having to stop. So I passed through a lot of places. But, you know, people were really friendly. Hey, what are you doing? You know, I got that question several mm-hmm. times. Because you, you were first for the vast majority of it. And so you're like the, the point of the ship. You're the first <laughs> the, like exposure. And you're like, don't worry. There's like at least nine people behind me. Yeah, at least nine. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Um, no, uh, it was it was really cool. I had some dot watchers come out in Sweet Home and greet me. I was oh, like, that's cool. It was midnight, and I'm riding through this town. There's not any cars or nothing in sight. And I hear somebody yell my name. A couple of little kids are out in front of their house cheering oh, wow. for me. I'm like, are you got to be kidding me? And then somebody else, I come around a corner and somebody's banging a pot cheering. And nice. then I come around another corner and there's a group that I stop and talk to. And uh, I uh, talked to my Trevor uh, Spangler um, from Swift Summit. He's uh, the okay. director for that. 
I talked to him on uh, Facebook, and he had told me that he had had some uh, issues and was out of the race uh, back from Bend. Okay. But um, it's cool to talk to him and to see see somebody on, on a live stream while I'm riding yeah. from <laughs> some dot watchers at midnight. <laughs> and dot watchers are a thing. So um, if you if you would um, explain a little bit about what a dot watcher is and sort of how this how this happens. Well, you've got... You're, you've got a satellite tracker on your bike. So your satellite and tracker... And that was a requirement for that, the yes. Steam Yeah. Yeah. And, and they do it in a lot of the ultra races. Yeah. And um, so there's a website that hosts the tracking of these and anybody can watch it. And a lot of people have discovered these races and, you know, they're really a lot of fun to watch because you can look up the racers, you can see their age, where they're from, you know, some of their statistics, and then uh, watch their progress through the race. And so people are, you know, watching a lot of these different races now, and it's becoming a, a more popular sport, mm-hmm. or cycling. It's like uh, a subgenre or whatever yeah. you want to call it. <laughs> like, like geocaching, but with humans and bikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you have, uh, uh, or have you had dot watchers in races previous, or was this the first time you'd, you'd experienced sort of that phenomenon well it was my first race so, oh yeah okay yeah um, no dot watchers on the swift summit uh no well, swift, was the swift summit after the swift summit was after that's, uh, right. that's yeah. not no satellite trackers gotcha. that was a 200 gotcha. mile race okay and they had a 100 as well it was a, it was yeah. a great race if anybody's listening out there and wants to do that kind of thing this year yeah <laughs> yeah i really want to yeah i really want to do it this year yeah um but anyway anyway go on. <laughs> Um, well, to tell more about the race, you know, you leave, uh, French Glen, you go across the, uh, Heart Antelope or Refuge and then to Lakeview and from Lakeview, you're up to Crater Lake. Mm -hmm. And so I, I hadn't been off my bike yet. I ride all night through, uh, the Antelope Refuge and I realized as I get towards Plush, I'd been riding for about, oh geez, what was it? probably f- close to 50 hours mm-hmm. and i hadn't I like taken how this a break is just a realization for you yeah. <laughs> it's not like this thing I'm, where like like you know <laughs> i pushed myself to 50 miles an hour or 50 miles 50. riding straight you know it's it's a realization like oh hey i've been riding my <laughs> yeah. 50 miles yeah. 50 uh, 50 hours yeah or 50 and hours yeah so i i finally decided to stop and the only thing i've got for really sleep is uh is a, uh, a little air mattress in a one of those mylar blankets, right? <laughs> those like foil emergency yeah, yeah, blankets, yeah, exactly. Right so I lay down out in the middle of the scrub brush, right, and I'm getting just eaten by mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, but I'm so yeah. t- I'm so tired. I lay there for about ten or fifteen minutes, and then the sun starts to come up, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not going to be able to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> so Daylight's I, burning. Yeah, time to get back on the bike. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine to near Lakeview, and it's so so aptly named in such a very mosquitoey part of Oregon. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it? <laughs> <laughs> Jackrabbits and mosquitoes. For sure. For our for Alaska for our Alaskan listeners, if you're ever in Oregon and you're just like homesick for mosquitoes, head down towards Lakeview. <laughs> Go to Lakeview. <laughs> in all fairness though, that is a beautiful part of the country. Oh, you know? Yeah, I love Lakeview. Um and, there's there's I'm I am thinking now like some of the like most memorable moments I've had in Southern Oregon have been probably within about 
40 miles of Lakeview. It's sure. a gorgeous spot. Yeah, it's beautiful down there. So, yeah, anyway, um, I, I sleep for about 10 minutes, and then uh, I get back on the bike, and into Lakeview I go, and I get something to eat there, and then it's like, okay, I'm sitting in the restaurant eating, and I'm, I ask the lady, I say, how how far is it to Crater Lake? She goes, oh, it's about three hours. Yeah. I'm like, three hours by car? Oh, my God. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> so, so I, I I get on my bike and I continue to ride. And did the uh, route take you up like through the national park for Crater Lake? Yeah, you, you did the ring road. Yeah, you've, you're supposed to do the east rim, but the snow was still there. Okay, so it was the uh, north rim ride. Ah, uh, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I I hadn't really slept, so I ended up riding another. Let's see, it would have been forty hours when I was in. Uh, in uh plush so it was another 20 hours i i rode and i it all afternoon it was beautiful down through there i was uh i started to run a little low on supplies i passed the convenience store and i broke my one rule is you know if you see services get them because <laughs> you uh, never yeah. you never know when you're gonna find services again and i i didn't do it did it bite <laughs> you oh well, I had to get kind of conservative. <laughs> you're on also the water. down one water bottle, so yeah. that was less you're carrying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had replaced that actually in oh, Lakeview okay. with just a big Aquafina bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, I just shoved it. In oh, the- nice. Yeah. It's funny because the vision of that actually was in my head before you said that. Like that's the quintessential. Oh shit! Like I need another water yeah. bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked pretty good. I, I apologize to your kids who are listening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's they they've heard that. Before. Oh, right. <laughs> we're, we're all good. Um, but yeah, so I ride. I get into the evening, and it's like I, you know, I just I have no plans on stopping. Right, so I'm riding. I'm feeling pretty good, and I'm I'm. That's a long ass climb yeah. from what is it, uh, Jaquil up to uh, Crater Lake. It's like it, a good six thousand feet or so. Is yeah, it? yeah, and it just it just keeps taking. Yeah, yeah. So so it's getting about I think about one in the or midnight or so and i'm starting to really get tired and mm-hmm. right now it's starting to really hit me right so i'm riding up there i'm climbing i'm standing on the, i'm standing i'm not sitting anymore and uh i i'm starting to sway the bike you know and there's not a there's not a car on the road i haven't seen a car in probably four hours mm. uh-huh. and uh i i dipped the bike so far i almost crash it oh, oh no. it's like that's the adrenaline shot I needed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's good, good for another 40 hours. <laughs> well, no, I made it, I made it to, I made it to Crater Lake. I made it to, uh, the Mazama uh, campground there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I'm like, there's got to be some place to shelter because now I'm at 6,000 feet. I've yeah. got every stitch of clothing on that I had. It's cold. And, you know, I can see my breath and it's freaking cold, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't want to start the descent because it's so cold, right? What, um, and sorry, remind me what time of year? It's July. It's yeah, July. Okay. Yep, yep. And, and so I, I, I look and I look and I look and I, I pull on every door. I can't find anything in the little lodge area that's mm. open. Oh, no. And I finally find the campground restroom so <laughs> it's that's what i had to use I, did, I, did I they have in, hand dryers I, well what i did is i went into the handicap stall i brought my bike in and i i leaned up against the wall on the floor and i fell asleep for like an hour oh my <laughs> gosh wow. then, then i decided <laughs> oh man i'm gonna stay here for a little while longer it's like 2 30 in the morning right so i uh-huh. hope i get my air mattress out and i actually i slept for another hour or so and then it's like okay i gotta go 
<laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so when you were getting close to dozing off, did you have any like tricks or techniques that you employed to avoid such an occurrence? Uh, I can't think Other of Other than just like jerking awake because you almost crashed <laughs> into the side of the crater. You no, know, there's, there's nothing. Once you start to get tired like that, you got to mm-hmm. find, you got to find a place to take a break. Okay. But, no, it was a dolphin eye. I think I've heard somebody call it before. You got one eye that's trying to close. and Oh, mm. yeah. Cause dolphins sleep like yeah. just one eye or yeah. At a time. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, it, that that was a that was pretty fun. And then uh, being awake like that, finally getting a couple hours of sleep. Okay, so I leave Crater Lake, and uh, the next morning it was uh, I up right at daybreak, and it's freaking cold. And uh, as it's not in the studio right now, yeah, at all. Well, you know, it's actually gotten warmer in here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe from your end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right next to the heater. Yeah, well, I, closest to, anyway. Did you yeah. wait for it to warm up a little bit before you descended? Oh, no, no. I, I, I started right out. You know, I, I've got this thing in my mind that I, I'd like to I'd like to get three days and 23 hours if I could, you know, break the four-day mm. uh, mark mm-hmm. on the, the whole trip and... Uh, so I, I set out with that in mind and it's, you know, it's, it's cold on the descents and it's, uh, you know, uh, all the way down to, um, what is it where you turn to go to Dorena and there's the road that goes to Roseburg and then you get back on forest road okay and, uh, it's paved forest road. And by this point, I'm, I'm, my tires starting to go flat again all the time. Oh, oh yeah. We didn't. We didn't uh, mention. So, did you end up uh, replacing that rim then, or you you rode on it the whole rest of the way? I rode on it the whole rest wow. of the way. Did and you did you consider briefly stopping by Rolf and Eugene and being like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, I I finally the the tire finally went I, where the sealant wouldn't hold it anymore, and yeah. I uh, ended up right there. That was where the road headed north, and I was on the forest road. And uh, I ended up throwing a tube in it. I put it all back together, and I go to hop on the bike and start to pedal, and it's like, (gasps) something's wrong. It was like I made a figure eight with my chain somehow when I put the wheel back. I I was so lucky I didn't snap it in half right there. If I would have put force on it. So... I get it undone, you know, the mistakes you make when you're tired. Sure. And it's like, I didn't realize, because, you know, when you look at the map on Ride with GPS, it you don't see that little that little hill there towards the end when you come out into the valley. Well, when oh. you look at it up close, <laughs> it, it's quite a bit of climb in there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, in some of those are some pretty steep grade. And I was, I was cussing Nathan. I was like, oh, why'd you have to put this in here now? Nathan? Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, some tough little hills to finish before you come into the valley. Okay. And uh, where did you enter into the valley? Uh, you enter at the uh, Roe River Trail. 
or Rau River Trail, I should say, and uh, that's Cottage Grove. Okay, so just south of Eugene. Yeah, you got well. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good haul up the valley. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nathan's changed the course this year a little bit, so it'll actually be when we rode it, it was nine hundred and seventy seven miles. So this will be over a thousand if he uses the version I saw on ah. Ride with GPS. I think it comes out at a thousand fifty one. Okay, did he so. up it for any reason, or just wanted to switch it up a little bit based on last year? You know, I, I think he wanted to make it a true one thousand. At least okay. when I saw him at Cycle Path, that's. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine too, for folks, um, like thinking about doing it, there might be that certain percentage that's like, Oh, it's under a thousand. I'll, I'll just, I'll take a pass. Well, my cell, <laughs> my cell, it's over a thousand. I'm in. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. My, my cell to my wife was, Hey babe, it doesn't even leave the state. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nathan is. Oh, uh, she was really supportive. So that oh, was that's cool. cool. That's Na- cool. Nathan's very good at. Uh, so when he was doing his round the world trip, he rode basically like all over the Midwest. But you can't double back on yourself for the world record. So it, it would be no surprise to me that Nathan could fit a thousand miles within Oregon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, big state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned support a little bit. Um, sort of your wife supporting you, but in a different sense of support uh this race was unsupported or self-supported in that like you had to either carry everything with you or you know have uh stuff you know buy stuff along the way or or like have it mailed to you was another yeah that's another another option yeah um what were you? What were your strategies for that? Did you have any any like uh, cash stations already set up, or no? I uh, pretty much was able to carry everything I needed. I had I supplemented my food with a little bit of restaurant food and uh-huh. a few stops along the way. But I was using Hammer Perpetuum, which is a I don't think I know what that is. That's a liquid food. Maybe I shouldn't give away my secrets. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, it, no, endurance athletes use okay. that. Yeah. Okay. And, it, it it seems to work pretty good, you know. It, Hammer it, Petulum? Perpetuum. Perpetuum. Hammer's the product. Okay. Name, Interesting. Company name. And uh, it, it, it um, really helps um, with lactic acids and stuff like that. Okay. So instantly digestible. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, yeah. For um, an upcoming Steens Mazama, is there anything that you think you'd like to change or anything that you you've sort of learned through this experience that you want to apply towards a future excursion oh uh stay on the bike <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> no that, that you know in races like this it doesn't always go to the fastest person it's uh-huh. you know being able to stay on the bike mm-hmm. is yeah, I, I think i now i i ended up finishing in 99 hours and i was only off Holy the cow. bike 13 hours hmm. so um, I, I did what I wanted to do was, which was try to match the guys in the Trans Am for the first four days. Right. And it was like, man, that's crazy. But you know, that gravel, that really is, that's a whole nother thing yeah, <laughs> when sure, you throw sure. that in. And what size tires are you riding on for the Trans Am? I think I'm going to go 25 because there's no gravel. <laughs> oh, there's no gravel at the Trans Am. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people do 28s. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I've been practicing with some and I'm considering it, but I, I'm still thinking yeah. 25. Hmm. It's Is pretty, it? it's pretty funny. Cause when I first got into like biking and bike touring, which is a totally different animal I know, but I was on 28 mm-hmm. and 
Like everyone else I knew was at least running 32s, at least, if not like 36s. Yeah, it's and, definitely and, been the trend. Is and, and bit, 38s. Like, and 40 seems to be almost the, like, almost the new standard. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of funny. I always felt um, a little sense of, uh, I don't know, pride, I guess, for, for doing doing what I did on, on thinner tires. I'm mm-hmm. also a much smaller person, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. Mm. Um, but now I'm I'm running on, well, it's a different standard now, uh, 1.3 inches, which I think translates on roughly 26? to... On 26? What's that? Or yeah, on 26 okay. inches. Yep, yep. Um, I'm not sure what that translates now. I think it's 35, maybe? I haven't. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you right off the bat. But interesting. Um, so much, so much wider, and I, I honestly can't really tell the difference. I don't know if. Well, I was on twenty threes for a, up till this year. Yeah, and I just finally switched. Hmm. And man, what a difference! Yeah, <laughs> I took twenty threes off one bike and threw twenty eights on. I could not believe the difference. Yeah, and, I could see a big difference twenty three to twenty eight. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I I got some uh, PRs on some of my courses, which I was surprised. Oh, really? So it's <laughs> like, and I I noticed um, I've got a Trek Demani, and that thing was wicked fast on some downhills where it was slower before. And Interesting. Like, I was like, is it so? Uh, in some way, the thinner tires sort of level out speed wise. Well, where the the twenty eights were able to push through a little bit more. That's the theory. Is yeah. they're able more- to handle the rougher because you know the the thinner tires the theory is is are or the proven fact is they're faster on the on like a velodrome Mm -hmm, you've got a perfect surface Mm -hmm. okay you know but yeah it's all about contact in real world you know you've got to have the something that's going to be able to take the shock of the rougher road Mm -hmm. so interesting there was a that reminds me of a article that came out in um uh i think it was I'm going to forget the name of the magazine now, of course, but they, they compared like 15 different tires and sort of surface resistance across mm-hmm. that. And you could actually see the correlation. It sounds like a bicycle quarterly kind of. Yep. Thank article. you. Okay. <laughs> that's something um, they would do. Yeah. That's yeah. It is something they do, but yeah, I was, I was really fascinated reading that because it's true. It's um, these little minute changes that you can make. Like you would, you would think it wouldn't matter that much to jump from a 23 to a 28, but it really does make a, make a big difference. Yeah, all these little marginal gains make for big ones in the end, right? <laughs> Indeed. It's maybe uh, switching up to, um, what is it, titanium uh, crank bolts, and, and are you going to do the complete gram shaving for the race across America? Well, I'm not going to add any weight. <laughs> 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 Nothing unnecessary if I don't have to, right? Understandably. <laughs> I don't know how well I can do taking weight off, and I'll do what I can. Right. So for the Steens Mazama or the uh, Swift Summit, for anyone listening in who is sort of on the fence or hasn't quite committed to it for this coming year, um, what what would you have to say? Or do you have any advice for anybody looking to get interested, sort of looking to get into this style of event? Well, I'd have to say go for it. I mean, it's like the if you're going to do like an ultra endurance, because those are two different races. If you're going to do the swift summit, that's something that's light and fast. You don't have any bags on you, nothing. It's, you've got a couple spare tires and tire levers and maybe a tool or something, but water. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. So if you're going to, if you're going to do something like the, uh, Steen's Mazama, you're, you'll want to get into ultralight back bike packing Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, research the gear that you're going to use for something like that. If you're not already into it, 
throw together a couple back-to-back long rides. Mm. So just to make it obvious for our listeners, where did you finish? I won the race. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I had no idea. I remember I, that being mentioned when we interviewed you for the Swift Summit, but I, I felt like we probably should have made that pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I, uh, I uh, was uh, at four days and three hours. And so that was, uh, I was 29 hours ahead of Ben. Wow. And, uh, well, I, I only slept, I think, a, to- <laughs> a, t- a total of five right. <laughs> for four days. Secret to success? Yeah. Lots of caffeine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I just, I, I had no idea I had it in me. I used mm-hmm. to have insomnia. And uh, I used to be a small business owner. So <laughs> I had insomnia, yeah, for uh, years. And so I knew I could stay up hours like that. Right. But, you know, and I knew what it felt like to be fatigued, and so mm-hmm. I, I was I was really surprised I could do something like that because I I had no idea when I entered that that I'd be able to uh, do it. And, but I paid for it physically too. Um, I was gonna say so. Let's describe like after those, those the four days, man, three hours. I wasn't on my bike for nine days. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Were, were you in bed all of those nine days? I was in bed for at least a day. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, no, I had the worst saddle sores of my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I I stood the last 300 miles. Cause oh, I, really? I Well, here's another funny story, right? So, you know, here I am. I'm out there in uh, by Lakeview, and it's like, I need a bath. So I just hop in a river, right? And uh-huh. I, I bathe out there in the stream. I get a little bit of rock on my feet when I'm getting out of there, right? You know, there's no way to avoid that. Well, mm-hmm. a little pebble ended up in my chamois that I oh. didn't, I didn't know. Mm. I took, I took home a piece of Lakeview River with me. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that wasn't too good, but uh, it was lonely. I wanted to tag along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now where was I? <laughs> the aftermath. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So in my left hand, I couldn't feel my ring finger and my pinky. Um, my, my pinky is still just barely got a little tinge of numbness. To really? It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's from all the gravel, and, yeah. you know, oh, okay. that yeah. was brutal on the washboard. So and then uh, my left foot had a big round, about the size of a half dollar, blue spot from uh, what looked like a huge bruise, mm. right? And so I found out from Evan, uh, Evan Deutsch, the winner of the Trans Am, he said he had the same issue, and that was from being on the outside of his feet. So it must have been from all the climbing. Okay. And not, oh, you know, see. focusing on putting more pressure towards the big toe mm-hmm. yeah. would probably help alleviate that in future. Uh, yeah, I've learned some other things too. The saddle sores. I've tilted my seat down a little bit, you know, brought my seat up just slightly, mm-hmm. and little things like that. Yeah. And, uh, I was really glad I didn't get Shermer's neck or anything like that when right. I was out there. Wow. But, what is yeah. Shermer's neck? I, I have to ask. That's the guys like the first, I guess, popped up in like the Ram years ago where, you know, you're riding these insane amount of hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't hold your head up. Oh, okay. You know, there's, if you Google it on the internet, you'll see these p- crazy pictures of guys oh, with really? like two by fours holding underneath oh. their chin, holding their head Yikes. up so they oh. can keep riding, man. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, crazy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I um, had a chance to interact with a 
one of the category winners for the Ram back in 2013 or so, and she was on a recumbent bike. And so I'm, uh, one of the big benefits of her experience oh, yeah. on a recumbent was, yeah, I guess no uh, Schumer's neck. You know, the, I, I love the recumbent, but the only thing is you can't stand up and pedal on those. Yeah, well, yes. I definitely would like reconsider it if it was gravel riding. You we, know, We talked to a guy who went across America on a recumbent, and he mm-hmm. said exactly that, you yeah. know, is... You're, there's no repositioning yourself for a better pedal advantage. Like what you got is what you get. Yep. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me in, guys. I really appreciate sure. it. Sure. And you're going on to do the Trans Am, which I think is is really cool to go from not having raced at all. I mean, and you know i'm i'm not much of a racer myself but i i think it's cool for someone to have not been raced at all to winning <laughs> the steens mazama or at least finishing first cuz if you finish at all you've won yes uh, <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> and then and then deciding to do the trans am so this is this is like kind of a really cool like hero's arc for you. Well, yeah, I just want to. I, first, I got to make it to the start line of the Trans Am. You know, a lot can happen between here oh, and that's, there. That's six I guess months so, from now. <laughs> yeah, and just if I can just finish that, I'll be pleased with myself. Yeah, you know, that's that's a whole nother beast at that level. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd like to say thanks to Nathan Jones for putting these. Oh, on. true. Yeah. Yep, yep. What a what a guy. You know, that's that's great that he gives these gives people these opportunities to have these experiences. So indeed, it was a it was a really cool experience for me. I mean, it was a, a, a ride like I'd never had before. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, do you want to stick around for our news and, and mail? Sure. And awesome. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, too, we look forward to cheering you on. I uh, will it, watch your dot. It'll, it'll, yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be hard to stalk your dot from Oregon. Oh, now I got some pressure on but, me. But, <laughs> but we'll be like, we'll be like low-key pressuring, chilling, and uh, cheering. All right. Cool, man. Don't ever use that. Don't worry, Tim. We always will. <laughs> the second Friday of every month, we've got the Boston Bike Party. Yes, and if you're in Indianapolis, the second Friday of every month is the Indianapolis Bike Party. And should you happen to miss both of those, the second Saturday of every month, we've got the Corviday Bike Club Sunday. Ride. Oh, every Sunday. Yes, thank you, Aaron. Second Sunday of every month, the Corviday Bike Club Ride. They just had theirs um, yep. just yesterday. Did you have yeah. a chance to attend? I didn't, but I think they went by my house. Oh, nice. So <laughs> was, you got like the, I happened to the be obligatory nod. Yes. Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to be doing dishes and a bunch of people, a bunch of people on bikes. It may have just been a bunch of friends on bikes. and not They're going to, they're going to, um, one of these weeks you're, you're going to be doing dishes and they're going to stop and they're going to say, Aaron, come bike with us. <laughs> Honestly, if I if I had even seen one Corvette jacket, I would have yelled for them to come over and like have tea or something, you know, because it was so cold out yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tea, tea in uh, spades. Yes. Uh, December 12th, Hanukkah begins at sunset. I thought I'd put that in. Yeah, absolutely. Because Hanukkah begins at sunset tomorrow. And that also means we get to light the candles in my house. Yeah. We're going to make potato latkes. Mm. So delicious. Those, uh, yeah, I love potato latkes. If you've not had some, check them out. They're pretty excellent. <laughs> <laughs> On December 15th through the 17th, 
We've talked about it before, but guess what? We're going to plug it again because it's an excellent event. We've got BikeCraft 2017. Yes. Still looking for gifts for your bikey friends and your bikey family and your crafty friends and your crafty family. Well, go to BikeCraft the 15th through the 17th. And the 15th, there will be a suggested uh, donation for admission. Totally worth the price. They also won't turn anyone away. Support your local bike craft makers. Check out Bike Craft 2017. December 17th. We have the Starkwood Holiday Lights Ride. That's a ride out to Starkwood, which is in is, Portland. Is in Portland and is where we thought it was by the Starkwood chiropractic. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're at the Starkwood Holiday Lights Parade, if drop you, on over to Starkwood Chiropractic. If you happen to need a realignment of your spine. Give them a give them a shout out for uh for Spark a podcast. <laughs> and that was And now for What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. We have a new donor. Yeah. You, you may remember from our last episode, Jimmy Diesel, welcome to the family. Yes, thank you so much, Jimmy Diesel. <laughs> um, yeah, he went from being a guest to deciding to support the show, and that is, that is, we are very grateful for that. Thank you so much. Indeed. And uh, any of you listening, feel free if you if you think, if you like what you hear. And you want to support it? Great. If you don't feel like supporting us and you just want to listen, that's also great, though, too. Absolutely. We're happy either way. And thank you regardless. Yes. So we had a bit of a talk. Uh, if anybody saw the episode with um, the Portland Podcast Festival, where where I happened to mention bike umbrellas. And Is I got, that a thing? I got curious and I, I looked this up. And I'm happy to say that circa about a month and a half ago, yes, bike umbrellas are a real thing. It really thing. is a thing. Let me see if I can't pull up this video here. It was. It's pretty excellent, it's actually. It's interesting in that I honestly thought it was just going to be like some sort of like helmet mounted umbrella. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and it is so much more. It's it's the it's like the Rolls Royce of not getting wet in the rain. If you happen to prefer umbrellas as a. Uh, pivotal source of technology yeah there we go oh. this is a bike umbrella and check it out wow. <laughs> it, goes, it goes this is this is the coolest part is is that it doesn't just mount on your bike you actually put your head yeah. through the umbrella. It's got like a, oh little, it's got like a little face cozy <laughs> that you snug around your chin. I think like when I thought of a bike umbrella, I A, couldn't have imagined this, and B, couldn't have imagined such a like wonderfully like interesting solution to the bike umbrella problem. Yeah. 
You set your sail and go in that east wind, right? Indeed. Yeah, if, like if anybody's ever used, um, like it's called, I think it's called the click stand, which is kind of like an alternative to a, a bike stand. This is like somewhat of a oh. similar concept, but applied to an umbrella that you can uh, sort of unfurl and wrap around your bike and your person and then sort of like re-zip it back to your bicycle. Yes. I, <laughs> you have no clue how tempted I am to just... To get one? To become very interested in this project i don't know kickstarter is <laughs> kind of a kind of a uh, interesting platform uh-huh and i haven't backed one that's failed yet and i'm not 100 <laughs> confident on this one <laughs> i don't want to i don't wanna, i don't want to lose my record on a bike streak. umbrella <laughs> that that being said i'm gonna look into this a little bit <laughs> you might see my name there you know in another way, I, I, I want to see I, in one. <laughs> I know it's uh, like I think. Gosh, wouldn't it be so fun to be the only person in Portland with a bike umbrella? It's like it's like, hey, all you rain jacket people, guess Look what? what I got. <laughs> oh God, it's so tempting. Well, sh- we shall see. <laughs> well, this next piece, our only real news. Well, besides yes. bike umbrellas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that is real news, I guess. Uh, the the NOACA, that is the Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency. No wonder they abbreviate it. Um, no this comes to us from Cleveland.com, uh, which is actually the uh, Cleveland's um, newspaper. I'm trying to think of the okay. name of it now. Um, I just, in my head, the Drew Carey show comes on and says, Ohio, <laughs> Ohio, Ohio. Anyways, the NOACA boosts protected bike lane projects in Cleveland with spending package. Yeah. Look at these numbers. I only I only produced half the numbers that they mention in this article in full. But projects to create protected bike lanes in Cleveland receive a major boost Friday from the Northeast Ohio Area-Wide Coordinating Agency. The Board of Transportation Planning Agency announced a meeting or at a meeting that it would allocate $47 million in federal transportation dollars to 21 projects, including two that would create the first major protected bike lanes in the city. Yay, Cleveland. Yes. Nice. There's also like a an aside in this article. If you read the article in full, there's a little aside saying like saying like protected bikeways are the best way to get around uh on your bike and it's the safest way and a lot of people are, you know, it's, it's hard just to get hit little, when somebody can't run you over. Right, right. It's just this little aside that um for those of us in Portland who've been really advocating for more protected bikeways, mm-hmm. it's kind of like we at least in my head, I want to like forward that on to the powers that be mm-hmm. <laughs> who just keep putting paint down. Paint's great. Protected bike lanes. Even better. Pretty swell. Um, next number, the NOACA allocated $8.3 million for construction planned uh, in 2020 by the city for the first leg of the Midway, which would extend 2.5 miles along the middle of Superior Avenue from Public Square to East 55th Street. Those are very specific streets in Cleveland, but that is a protected bikeway nice. um, awesome. already happening. Yeah. Have you been to Cleveland, so, Craig? No, but I love to hear stories like that where yeah. they're building the infrastructure. You know, Portland has come a long ways in the time I've lived here, so it's, yeah. been, it's been wonderful to see. 
So. I I would love to see Portland like really step up its game. Um, I think yeah, I think it's come a long way, but I think we can really like set the goal. We have we're in a position to set the gold standard. I think. And, yeah, and, we've set uh, it once. We can are. set it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and or and, the yeah, platinum standard really... for the American League <laughs> of uh, cyclists. Yes, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Well, that was our headline. And we may not have that many protected or separated bikeways in Portland. But you know what we do actually have this week? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. From Chris in Colorado, uh, we have a video of the world's lightest, quote, electric bike. Um, So Chris sent us this, which is a Facebook post to a 97-pound electric... I think I would almost... I think it does qualify as a motorcycle, but it's like so crossover... In the video, they call it a motorcycle. Yeah, but it 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 it's certainly applicable towards that phase. It's like if you wanted, it to... has pedals for it pedaling. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, because I I watched the video actually three times. Turn that down there. <laughs> I was looking for pedals. They're in there. Okay, they're not using them. So it he's, counts. He's the pedals start something. the motor. <laughs> uh, it's it's essentially like. What it looks like to me is just a really well-engineered e-assist bike. Yeah, yeah, basically. I think um, I think so. And here's here's where the numbers come in: is the lightest electric, like true, fully fledged bicycle that I think I've seen is around like thirty-eight pounds. Uh huh. So I think that the ninety-seven pound number is more of a motorcycle. Yeah, categorization. That would definitely make it a a. Because well, 90, yeah. 97 pounds is pretty heavy That's for a, a heavy e-bike. For a bicycle. <laughs> that is, sure looks like a motorcycle. But it looks really fun. It's got a lot of suspension on there. Yeah, this is your... Uh, this is your. But that that motor, I mean, that interface is an e-bike interface right there. Yeah, I would I would have to... It's uh, incredibly powerful, too. I can't see the spec on um, the the page I'm on right now, but it's it's got a very, very, very high watt motor. Um, so... In terms of the ability to get out and around, um, I'm not sure how much it costs. Seven thousand five hundred. Yeah, that sounds about right. Is where it starts. <laughs> so if you got seventy five hundred kicking around and you want the <laughs> lightest uh, e bike motorcycle on the world, um, Chris in Colorado's got the hookup. <laughs> so I don't know if this is a a, uh, a Kickstarter. I missed that, but I know that they're still fundraising. Okay. Um, oh, it's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Mm. A good way to rip around town or or the the dirt or the trail. We shall see. (laughs) Uh, Next up, this is a piece of mail that came in our inbox uh, from the PDX Pod Festival. Uh, This this mail also kind of has a bit of an an announcement in there, too. Uh, Thank you so much for participating in the first ever Portland Podcast Festival. You were all fantastic. We could not have a better show on this first event. We're already planning for 2018. Nice. And we love to hear any feedback from you, what worked, what didn't, etc. Um, secondly, we have audio for you. Yay. Yay. And we had already released our audio that we had recorded from the table, um, but the quality off the board is amazing. Yes. And so we will be uh, reposting that episode for um for future listening and uh i think it's going to be posted in place of the one we just okay posted nice. uh, so in that case for people who um download 
or um, if you're from the future, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or if you're already listened to it, you can listen to it again in a better form. Nice, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool of them for uh, for getting all that together. They got um, they got all the audio, and then they split it up for each podcast, and then sent yeah. it out. For Huge props so. to the folks at Funner Fun. Fun employment. Fun employment. I want yes. to say fun entertainment, but didn't didn't quite come out right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the organizers were great, and uh, I can't wait for next year. Yeah, hopefully we'll be there. Yeah. Oh, I'll <laughs> with be any there. success, I'll be there. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not we'll be on stage. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so that brings us yet again to the end of another Sprocket the podcast end episode. Of all things, Craig. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks also for sticking around for mail and headlines. Well, thank you, Guthrie. Appreciate we look it. we look forward to your adventures. Thanks. I look forward to doing them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You ready for this? Let's do it. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Wayne Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellengard. That's Marcus Norman, by the way. Not Marcus Norman. Norman. I'm sorry. No, that was that was on me. Um, thanks to Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean. Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish. Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker. Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler, Zoe Campania, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon, John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zissen, Richard G, Guthrie Straw, who's sitting right here? Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David. Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan. Michael Florney, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Eugle. Ed Whitman, EJ Finneran, thanks for the house party. Word. Paul Colbertson, if that's your real name. It's not. Brad Hipwells, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Derek Wagner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing. I'll see you guys this weekend. Oh, yeah. David Moore, Dennis O'Brien, Todd Grosbeck. Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel. Welcome to the team. And all of our former guests who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs>